0: Hello to all you amazing Mets fans, you're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. Buck Walter won the NL Manager of the Year, the fourth time he has taken home a Manager of the Year award, and the first time the Mets have done so in franchise history. I'll discuss him winning the award in the first segment, then in the second segment, I want to dive into the narrative that has followed him throughout his career. Does Buck Walter need that World Series ring to validate what has been an otherwise outstanding career as a manager? Then we'll close out the show today with a little bit of news. The Mets picked up a reliever who throws very hard, and they did not protect one of their top outfield prospects from the Rule 5 draft. Before we get to any of that, though, I'm your host, Ryan Ficklestein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter at Ryan. You can also find some of my writing at JustBaseball.com, where I work as the managing editor. Now, Buck Showalter wins the Manager of the Year for the Fourth time in his career, uh, you look at the vote breakdown. It was him, Dave Roberts, and Brian Schnicker as the finalists. He received eight of the thirty-first place votes, ten of the second-place votes, which got him seventy-seven points. You have David Roberts who had eight first-place votes, uh, but not nearly as many second-place votes—only four—and then you have Schnicker who had seven first-place votes, uh, trailing behind with fifty-five points. Bottom line, Buck Showalter. Wins the award for the fourth time in four different decades, the first Mets manager to ever win this award. Now, we're going to get into the apprehension that many might still have with Buck Showalter because he has this reputation of being the guy that takes over the team, that builds them up, but just never has had the success in the postseason. I don't want to focus on that, though. I want to acknowledge what an incredible job Buck Showalter did taking a team That had a brutal collapse in 2021 and leading them and getting them in a position where they were able to win 101 games. And as much as you can point to September, and I know there's some that would say it was a collapse. And look, when I was in it, when I was in the midst of it, yeah, I fed into that. And also, To a certain extent, yes, the Mets did fall apart down the stretch. There was moves that... Or there was games that they should have had that they didn't. But to blame Buck Showalter for that is letting the players off the hook. And it is disregarding the first five months of the season where he had this team humming. And it was a completely different mindset. And really, I think what Buck Showalter has done for this organization is he has legitimized everything. This is a guy who has done more for the game of baseball than almost anybody active, right? And he knows how to build a competent program. And the Mets needed that. You are trying to shred yourself from just decades of incompetence where you were run at the top by the Wilpons, particularly Jeff Wilpon in recent years, that just made everything about this franchise second class Buck Schulter's a first-class guy. Just even something as simple as going into spring training and putting his arm around Keith Hernandez and showing him around to the players and driving around in a golf cart and, and, and chopping it up with him and making Keith feel involved in the team and just just building a, a real foundation around this ball club and giving everyone a clear goal and allowing them to focus on the task at hand we saw so many guys play better this year than they did in the year prior. We saw Francisco Lindor, you know, you know, get the opportunity to, uh, you know, play comfortably and to understand his value and to be out there every single day. You know, Starling Marte hitting in the same spot, playing the same position because he spoke with Buck and you know basically made it known that that's what he likes to do and in turn, gave the Mets a great season. Seeing Jeff McNeil not be told to be anything but himself, to see the way that he navigated double headers and all these different things so that while we might nitpick what he does on a given Tuesday night, the team's always ready to win each given series. And it was very much a a series-at-a-time mentality and they just kept winning series after series after series after series after series. And you stack it up at the end of the season. You want to call whatever happened September a collapse by all means. The net result is they finished with an identical record to the Atlanta Braves who, as much as we want to rewrite history, went into the season as the favorites to win this division coming off of, I don't know, winning the World Series. With a better roster than they had on that World Series team. And the Mets grabbed this division early, held on to it, and yes, they ultimately gave it up in that final series of the season when they played the Braves. But I don't hold that uh, against Buck Walter. I don't hold the playoff shortcomings against Buck Walter. At the end of the day, what he just gave us when it comes to regular season baseball for a Mets fan is the second best season in franchise history behind the 1986 Mets. Now, we can give him all the credit in the world for this one year. Unfortunately, the way this works out, he's going to be judged by his playoff success whether that's fair or not. So moving forward, yeah, another manager of the year trophy is not going to mean much. But considering the jump that this team took, considering the way that we can now look at this franchise moving forward, and say which one about Billy Epler, the two of them working together have given you a steady hand on the wheel for the first time since maybe Sandy Alderson first came in when the Mets just let him really operate in those early years, in the early 2010s as he... You know, rebuilt and was allowed to rebuild. They haven't had a steady hand since then. That steady hand with Alderson resulted in a World Series in 2015, but there wasn't much else that they were able to do beyond that. I think what Buck Showalter is uh, building right now with this Mets team is a winner that will be sustainable for a long time, maybe even beyond when he's with the team. And that's what we're going to talk about next. Could history repeat itself here with Buck Showalter when it comes to that narrative that has been built up? As far as his lack of playoff success. Before we get to that, though, today's episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. The numbers don't lie. In the last decade, over four million people have chosen Simply Safe home security to protect their home. You don't even, or you don't earn the trust of that many people without doing something right. At Simply Safe, your safety is the only thing that matters. They protect you with cutting-edge security technology powered by 24/7 professional monitoring agents who always have your back. With 24-7 professional monitoring, SimpliSafe's agents call you the moment a threat is detected and dispatch police or first responders in an emergency, even if you're not home or can't be reached. SimpliSafe blankets your home in protection with advanced sensors, sensors for every room, window, and door, HD security cameras for inside and outside your home, smarter ways to detect motion that only alerts you when a threat is real, and even hazard sensors that instantly detect fires, floods, and other threats to your home. Customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at SimplySafe.com slash locked on MLB. Save 20% on your simplisafe security system when you sign up for an interactive monitoring plan and get your first month for free. Visit SimplySafe.com slash locked on MLB to learn more. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Now, Buck Showalter has been the manager of the year before. This is the fourth time he won the award. And if we go back across his managerial career, there has been that constant narrative built that he is the guy that builds up your organization, that helps develop your farm system, that gets you ready to win, that wins a little bit in the regular season, but never gets the job done in the playoffs, never wins the World Series. That started with the Yankees. And you can't tell me that that was his fault by any stretch of the imagination. Um, you know he won the award in 1994. He took the team, um, which had been under 500 for his three seasons prior to coming aboard. They won 76 games in year one. Went 84 and 74 in year two. Year three they were on a hundred win pace, but the strike happened in 1994 again. That is when he won the award. Uh, 1995 they lose in the ALDS. He's fired. The Mets win four of the next or the Mets, the Yankees win uh, four of the next five World Series. Then he builds an expansion team up in the Diamondbacks. They become a 100-win club in their second season. They ultimately lose, though, in 1999 in the NLDS to the Mets, win 85 games in 2000. He is then let go. The Diamondbacks go on to win the World Series in 2001. I don't think that either of these teams won in spite of Buck Showalter, particularly the Yankees. They won four of the next five years. You want to say Joe Torre's incredible, By all means, you know, he's a Hall of Fame manager, all right. Those teams would have won a World Series if Buck Showalter was allowed to manage the team from, you know, 96 through 2001. They probably still would have won four, at least won three. So uh, at times we give the manager too much credit and we also can, um, you know, debit them a little too much. We we can take too much away from, from what they brought to the table if the team fails. Uh, to meet expectations in the playoffs. And and Buck Walter hasn't shied away from any expectations at any point in his career, and he's not again with the Mets. But I, I know that narrative is frustrating. And you look at the other two times he won the award. He won in uh, 2004 at the Rangers. That's a team that ultimately did have some playoff success after he left, but that was a little bit further down the line, a couple of years beyond when he was with the team, so I wouldn't really read into that too much. And then the Orioles in 2014, who obviously have not had any success really, Since he left, although this season they finally started to be competitive again. Bottom line here, I think Buck Schultz is a fine manager. Now, at times, and certainly down the stretch, did he do a couple things that were head-scratching? Absolutely. We just saw Dusty Baker win a World Series with the Astros, and we saw the way that team rallied around him after they won. It was really about Dusty. I think we could see the same thing happen with Buck Schultz. I think the players love him in New York. That they want to win for him, that they're playing hard for him, and that's all you can ask out of a manager these days. As much as you want to get into the in-game decisions or who's, um, you know, in the starting lineup each day, obviously those are decisions that Buck makes, but they're decisions he makes in conjunction with an, analy- an, an woo, an analytically driven. Uh, for an office. And, and so there's a lot that goes into it. And I've always said that throughout my entire time hosting this show. Whether it was Mickey Calloway or Luis Rojas. Or now with uh, Showalter here. You know, we so often are difficult and hard on these managers. When a lot of it is out of their control. But that does not mean that he's going to be able to completely escape. That narrative that is built up around him. And if the Mets don't get it done, which could have nothing to do with him, if it's not this year, I I think he'll get at least another full season beyond this one. I I think Buck Showalter has earned the right to stay in this job for a bit. And I think that Steve Cohen likes Buck Showalter a lot. Let's just say the next two years, the Mets make the playoffs, but they never make it past the NLDS. At a certain point, The the finger will will be pointed in his direction, and he'll be blamed. That is how this works. It's the rough seat of being a a big league manager. But if in 2023 the New York Mets go on a remarkable run and they win the World Series, their first since 86, you're going to see the same groundswell of positivity that has risen around Dusty Baker. Everyone will be coming out of the woodwork to talk about how he was always destined to be this World Series winning Hall of Fame manager, and that's going to validate everything. And I think Dusty Baker uh, really kind of showed how frustrating that could be. The way he was answering some of the questions after, where he was like, "You know, obviously this is something that he wanted. Things can be out of your control. All you do each year is try to put your team in the best position to win." Um, he had good ball clubs, and you know, I, I remember after the, the the presser or after the Game Six when they won the World Series. Dusty said something along the lines of um, bringing up his first team where I think he won a manager year. He's won three manager years. It might have been um, one of the early teams. I don't remember. what it Was it was a Giants team potentially that he had? Um, but he alluded to a lot of the great players that were on the team. And then I think he might have even said it was after the strike where a lot of players got sold off or whatever it was. But basically just pointing to the things that are out of your control as a manager – You know, Buck Showalter is not in charge of making this roster. He's not in charge uh, entirely of developing the players. He's overseeing things as kind of the head of the organization. But day to day, he's not responsible for for everything that goes on in the farm. And, you know, it's a lot to, uh, you know, put everything on Buck when it comes to the Mets playoff success. Still, though, you can't run away with how the business operates, so... I really hope history does not repeat itself with Buck Walter. I hope he's able to take this team over the top in the next two or three years, um, and he gets that World Series ring. He deserves that. Will put that you know finishing touch on his Hall of Fame career. Uh, but it is kind of ridiculous that it has to come to that because I think at the end of the day, you look at the body of work, and who in their right mind can really say that he is anything but a quality. Long-time big league manager because that's what he has been throughout a four-decade-long career. But he won the award. He got some recognition. We'll see what happens next year for WALTER. Now, though, we got some news to discuss. The Mets added a player to their 40-man roster today claiming a big reliever, big as in 6 foot 6'8", uh, from the New York Yankees. And also a little bit of uh, a surprise when it comes to um, the Rule 5 draft and who the Mets did not protect as it relates to one of their top outfield prospects. But before we get to that, today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline.net. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from football to basketball to soccer and esports. They got it all at BetOnline.net, and if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at Bet Online as well. They are the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fixed. Jacob DeGrom, we can bet on his landing spot in free agency. Will he land with the Rangers, the Dodgers, the Braves, the Yankees? Everyone else has really long odds, and this is assuming he does not just return to the New York Mets. My advice, maybe don't bet on that one because I think DeGrom is coming back. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in the action Bet Online where the game starts. We had a lot of news around the baseball world today. Anthony Rizzo re-signed with the Yankees, a two-year deal with a third-year option. Tyler Anderson gets three years, $39 million from the Angels. Does that set uh, a price range for our Tier B stars in free agency, you know, could it be $13 to $16 million for those guys uh, like Anderson? You know, a Taiwan Walker comes to mind from the Mets. Um, you know, whether that is Martin Perez, who did accept the qualifying offer. So he's off the board, but Jose Kitana, Jamison Tyone, uh, there's a lot of guys in that range. Chris Bassett kind of leads the pack, and we'll probably get a little bit more than all of them, but... Uh, interesting to see that market begin to form on the starters. Uh, I wonder if we could see a lot of them fly off the board. If that is the number that we have here, I I thought Anderson would get a little bit more, uh, but also at the same time, look at his career track record before this year when he went to the Dodgers. And I mean, what were we really betting on uh, moving forward with Anderson? Uh, If you told us a year ago that he'd get a three or $39 million deal, we'd say you're crazy. So, uh, nothing wrong um, with the Mets missing out on him, uh, as I said, Perez accepted the QO, as did Jock Peterson. That's a little bit surprising. Uh, thought he would stick it out for free agency, where he could have got a three or four year deal. But betting on himself at a place that he likes at a high salary number, it's a fourteen million dollar raise for him. Basically, he went from six to nineteen point five six, and betting on himself again. Uh, you know, to have a nice season and to go back into the market without the qualifying offer attached. I, I do think that teams would have been hesitant to give up a draft pick for Jock Peterson, uh, including the Mets. So maybe next year he has a better market for himself. He can maybe get that three- or four-year deal. All of this, uh, as it relates to the Mets, is not significant, but they did add a player today, Steven six foot eight, two 245 pounds, right-hander, touches 101 on the fastball, has a cutter, uh, at 88, a slider at 86 could be a big-time strikeout weapon, but not a lot of time in the big leagues. I mean, debuted with the Yankees in 2021. The Mets claim him off waivers. Not a lot that we can really go off of here on what he's going to be. Um, you know, just just not a ton of big league experience, minor league experience, even a little bit limited, just always coming out of the bullpen. This year had shoulder impingement, so a, a shoulder injury that kept them out all year. That's really concerning. You can't look at this more than a death move. Last year, I made way too much about Sam McWilliams and the Mets decision. Or was that two years ago? That might have been two years ago at this point. Um, just like, to a certain extent, I made too much out of the... Uh, oh, why wow, I forgot his name already. Nick Plummer. Jeez, got it got it back quick. Uh, you know, the Nick Plummer signing this offseason. You know, there's guys that you bring in that have uh, a high ceiling, so to speak, but the floor is pretty low and we've seen the low floor sort of show itself with both Plummer and McWilliams the year prior. So Ridings is a great option. Another guy with with high velo, who's six foot eight, so his extension's probably ridiculous. That fastball, I'm sure, jumps on batters. But can he throw strikes is a question. Can he stay healthy is a question. It's good though the Mets added another high upside reliever on their 40-man roster because they don't have nearly enough of them. But when it relates to the 40. No real moves for the Mets today. No big DFAs. We thought Dom Smith could go, Darren Ruff. Um, you know, we, we were not sure if Steven Nogasek or, um, you know, Sean Reed Foley, Jan Lopez, are all those guys going to be safe? Ultimately, the Mets stick with what they got as it goes towards their 40 man roster. They still have eight spots even after claiming uh, writings today you got to build a bullpen, you want to add to your rotation, you might want to replace Brandon Nemo, or you will have to replace Brandon Nemo. A lot of moves yet to be made, uh, but the Mets can always clear room on that 40 at a later date. This was trying to protect guys from the Rule 5 draft, and so you can still maneuver however you like. The Mets didn't have any prospects that they really felt compelled to protect. The one guy that I think a lot of people were discussing here was Jake Mangum. You know, Mangum had a really nice season, knockout on the door at AAA. I think he has a great chance to be the fourth outfielder for the Mets all year next year. I think he could break camp with the club if he has a good spring training and depending who else is in camp. But are other teams out there going to claim a guy that's you know going to be 27 by opening day whose ceiling is that of a fourth outfielder? There's bigger fish to, to, to fry or bigger fish to grab um, in the Rule 5 draft then Jake Mangum. So I guess the Mets are just betting on that. I don't think this is a reflection on how they feel about Mangum other than maybe knowing that they'll probably be able to sneak him through this Rule 5, hang on to him without putting him on the 40-man roster, which just gives you more flexibility. So a little bit risky. If it was up to me, I probably would have just added him to make sure you keep him around because I really do think that you're going to have to add him to your 40 at some point this year regardless but I'm not mad at it uh, unless another team does draft him in the real five and you miss out on him, Then we'll be looking back and, and, you know, crying over some spilled milk there. But um, that's going to be all though for today's edition of locked on Mets, nothing crazy to report on just yet. We're still just waiting to see what happens here uh, to close out the week. i um, going to probably do a prospect oriented show on Friday. Still working around the details of that. Also, some other big time free agent starting pitchers we haven't discussed, like Justin Merlander and Kode Senga. So we're gonna talk about those guys um, maybe on tomorrow's show. So make sure you're following, you rate and review wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Finkelstein Ryan. Follow the show at locked on mets. Thank you for making Locked On Match your first listen every day. Now for your second listen, check out Locked On Sports Today, hosted by Peter Bukowski. Locked On Sports Today is where you want to go to stay up to date with everything going on around the sports world, including instant game reactions, breaking news, uh, the take of the day. You can follow Locked On Sports Today wherever you get podcasts on the Odyssey app or YouTube.